Good morning, everyone. My name is Gene. I am one of the leaders here at Grace Fellowship. It is a, a delight to have you all here. I'm glad you all braved the snow and you were able to make it here. Our car did a pretty much complete 360 down Shortledge as we were trying to get here, but the Lord got us here. So as we prepare to go into Exodus, make a mental jump in your mind from Jesus and Christmas in the manger to Exodus. It is the same God that we worship. We are just, uh, we're not looking at Christmas text per se. As Christians, sometimes we come across language in the Bible that we don't know what to do about. Be still and know that I am God. The Lord will fight for you. You have only to be silent. Let all the earth keep silence before Him. What do these mean? These are biblical ideas, but how do we apply them? Am I never to speak again and only to be silent? If God is the one who fights for me, why should I put forth any effort at all? Be still and know that I am God. How do I be still and know that He's God while also obeying all the other commandments that He's given me? Maybe you ask yourself some of these same questions. This morning, we're going to be in Exodus 13 and 14. It's on page 36 if you have a church Bible. Go ahead and turn there. We are going to take a look at this idea of being silent. And we're going to try to understand what that means in combination with God fighting for us. We'll also take a look at what God does to His enemies. In case you're visiting with us or you're new to the Bible, Exodus is the second book of the Bible. It's in the Old Testament. And the tales of God delivering His people from slavery in Egypt and coming to dwell with them. In our series, we are... Coming to the end of our first section, our first book section, the God who demolishes the house of slavery. And today we're going to see that God's enemies, they will learn that he is the Lord when he gets glory over them and when he fights for his silent people. God's enemies will learn that he is the Lord when he gets glory over them and when he fights for his silent people. This message applies to you because either right now you are either an enemy of God or you are one of his people. And if you are an enemy of God, if you are outside of Christ, you will learn that without Christ, he will get glory over you and you will learn that he is Lord. However, if you are already in Christ, you trust in the blood of Christ, you are one of God's people you will learn more this morning how He fights for us. If you look at your outline, you'll get an idea where we're heading. You'll see our enemies will learn that God is the Lord. Our God will get glory over these enemies. And our God will fight for us, His silent people. I'm going to pray and then I'm going to read the entire section for us in Exodus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You so much for Your grace and Your mercy. Thank You for getting us here this morning, despite the snow. Lord, we we thank You for Christ and for uh, the fact that He came to dwell with us 
and die for us. And uh, Lord, would we see this morning your glory in Exodus? Would we see how you get glory over your enemies and how you save? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, like I said, Exodus 13, starting at verse 17. And I'm going to read all the way through the end of chapter 14. So it's a, it's a long, long text. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. But God led the people around by way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. And the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt, equipped for battle. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him. For Joseph had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones with you from here. And they moved on from Succoth and encamped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, that they might travel by day and by night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the people of Israel to turn back and encamp in front of Pi-Haharoth between Migdal and the sea, in front of Baal-Zephon. You shall encamp facing it by the sea. For, the, for Pharaoh will say of the people of Israel, they are wandering in the land. The wilderness has shut them in. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will pursue them. And I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. And they did so. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, the mind of Pharaoh and his servants was changed toward the people. And they said, what is this we have done? that we have let Israel go from serving us. So he made ready his chariot and took his army with him and took 600 chosen chariots and all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the people of Israel while the people of Israel were going out defiantly. The Egyptians pursued them, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and his horsemen and his army and overtook them and camped at the sea by Pi-Haharoth in front of Baal-Zephon. When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which He will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. The Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it 
that the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they shall go in after them. And I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts, his chariots and his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten glory over Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. Then the angel of God who was going before the host of Israel moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them, coming between the host of Egypt and the host of Israel. And there was a cloud and the darkness, and it lit up the night without one coming near the other all night. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. And the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. The Egyptians pursued and went in after them into the midst of the sea, all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots and his horsemen. And in the morning watch, the Lord in the pillar of fire and of cloud looked down on the Egyptian forces and threw the Egyptian forces into a panic, clogging their wheels so that they drove heavily. And the Egyptians said, Let us flee from before Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea that the water may come back upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots and upon their horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and the sea returned to its normal course when the morning appeared. And as the Egyptians fled into it, the Lord threw the Egyptians into the midst of the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen of all the hosts of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea, not one of them remained. But the people of Israel walked on dry ground through the sea, the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians. So the people feared the Lord, and they believed in the Lord and in His servant Moses. Let's take a look at the first point. Our our enemies will learn that God is the Lord. Our main emphasis for this whole book of Exodus is centered on Pharaoh's question back in chapter 5. Who is the Lord that I should obey His voice? He asks this after Moses demands his people be free. And Pharaoh refuses. And since that point, we've seen God brings ten different plagues on Egypt, hammering Pharaoh until finally he lets them go. In this chapter, the enemies have learned that God is the Lord. And the words of the title on your outline, Who is the Lord? Oh, you shall know that I am the Lord. This section of the book, it highlights God getting glory over this man who asked that faithful question. The man who repeatedly refused to obey God. The Lord here, He makes sure 
that Pharaoh knows who he is before the end. Let's look at verse 4. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them, and I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts, and the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. Look at verse 18. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten glory over Pharaoh. God is keen on making certain they know who He is. The Egyptians even end up calling God the Lord later on in the passage. Look at uh, verse 25. The Egyptians said, Let us flee from before Israel, for the Lord, capital L-O-R-D, fights for them against the Egyptians. That's an all caps L-O-R-D. Egypt is saying, the God Yahweh, He fights for Israel. Egypt is coming to know this Lord. Many of you know I'm from Pittsburgh. And for those unaware, the Pittsburgh Penguins won the Stanley Cup last year. Which is the highest, uh, it's the championship trophy in the National Hockey League. And our bitter rivals, the Flyers, the Philadelphia Flyers, they came to know that the Penguins, the one true hockey team, (laughs) was the best in the league. And so it is with the Egyptians. Through much rebellion and pain and, and death, they have come to know who this Lord is. Why is this in the Bible? Why is this how God wrote the story? I think part of the answer is God is the Lord. And this truth is so important that everyone will know it before the end. God's people will know it and God's enemies will know that He is the Lord. And that's true for us. Right now, we have the choice between Willingly submitting to this truth that He is the Lord or by coming to know this truth through obstinance and through death. How does this apply? You have the choice. Will you come to know that God is the Lord willingly or will you come to know it through obstinance and through death? Here's another application. For those who are already Christians, Think about this. The people you know who are currently rebelling against the Lord, they will come to know who the Lord is. So you don't have to fear that they'll never come to know who the true God is. You don't have to force them to know the Lord. Now, of course, we want to make disciples, but as far as the the hard cases like Pharaoh, God will, will make Himself known to them before the end. They will come to know this truth. Maybe it's an atheist professor of yours. Maybe it's a a family member who refuses to talk about Christ over the holidays. Maybe it's your own son or your own daughter who has walked away from the faith. Without Christ's blood, they are enemies of God and they will come to know this Lord. Philippians 2 tells us this more. Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. 
God's enemies will learn that He is the Lord when He gets glory over them and when He fights for His silent people. Let's take a look at our second point. Our God will get glory over His enemies. It is a a similar point to the first one, but we're going to look at it from a slightly different angle. We're going to talk about glory instead of the knowledge of the Lord. This passage makes clear that God is concerned with His glory. He is eager to get glory over those who oppose Him. In verse 4, again, we're going back to verse 4. When the Lord is describing what will happen, He says, and I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will pursue them and I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his host. And He does. He closes the sea over the Egyptians. They drown to death and Israel remains alive, preserved on the seashore. Verses 17 and 18, the Lord says to Moses, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they go in after them. And I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts, his chariots and his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. When I have gotten glory over Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. You notice it's repeated. The repetition, the fullness, the completeness. Over Pharaoh, his chariots, his horsemen. Over Pharaoh, his chariots, his horsemen. I will get glory not just over Pharaoh, Moses, but all his little peons as well. His chariots that look mighty and his horsemen that seem fast. All his hosts. I will get glory over every one of them. Now, what does this mean? Getting glory over someone. You could say it means to defeat or to vanquish. I played football all through high school. And the year before my freshman year, our team stunk. We went 0-9. They didn't win a single game. But we got a new coach and I kept playing. And the game I want to talk about is the game... Of our, it's the last game of our senior year. We were 8-0 and and we had one game left in the regular season. So there was a lot of pressure. Would we win the final game and be 9-0 and or would we lose the final game and be 8-1? and Not only that, but for the final game, we were to play our arch rival, North Catholic. And I was not a believer back then, so I can legitimately say I hated North Catholic. We hated North Catholic. They had two brothers on the team. Just not nice people. They were really talented, but we really wanted to beat North Catholic. Our team ended up winning 13 to 12. By one point on our home field in a fourth quarter comeback. We were losing in the fourth quarter. We came back one by one point. Talk about glory. We finished 9-0 and and we went to the playoffs. When we won, everybody stormed the field. We were crying tears of joy because of such a hard-fought season. The North Catholic was crying tears of despair 
and anguish. This was one of the most glorious moments of my life. But the Lord is after so much more glory than this. The Lord is interested not just in winning a football game. He is interested in getting glory over those who oppose Him. Verses 26-29, through 29, I think, show this very clearly. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea that the water may come back upon the Egyptians and upon their chariots and upon their horsemen. So he stretched out his hand over the sea and the sea returned to its normal course and the morning appeared. And as the Egyptians fled into it, the Lord threw the Egyptians into the midst of the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen of all the host of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea. Not one of them remained. And then in verse 30, Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great power the Lord used against the Egyptians. The Lord is about this glory. Why is He so keen on getting glory over His enemies? The Lord is keen on getting this glory because He wants to prove that He's the boss. He wants to prove He is the Lord. He wants to prove that He is the one who is worthy of this glory. No one is over Him or above Him. Even Almighty Pharaoh of Egypt, who says, who is the Lord? He is not above the Lord. And the Lord is going to make that pretty clear. God drowns this guy. God is the one who wins. He is the top dog. That's why He gets the glory. Because He is worthy of this glory. Some Scriptures highlight God's humility or His tender mercy. That is not this week. This week, the passage talks about God's complete and His utter destruction of His enemies and the glory that He gets over those who oppose Him. So how does this apply to you? Fear this awesome God and know that God will get the glory over His enemies. Fear this God. This is a fearsome scene. The Lord literally moves tons and tons of water and suspends it, giving His people safe passage. And then once they're on the other side, He lets the tons and tons of water go. And it comes and caves in on the Egyptians, drowning them completely. This is a powerful God. He is to be feared. Secondly, know that He... He will get glory over His enemies by drowning their rebellion. Now, off of that, you might be asking, okay, is it right for God to drown the Egyptians? Is it right for Him to get glory over them? Is it selfish of God to do this to the Egyptians? And what I would say is I would point you to the the chapters and chapters before this where Egypt refused to submit to this Lord, despite plagues which made it clear that He is the Lord. And biblically, we know that it is right for God to get this glory. He is the one 
who must be glorified. He is the one worthy of glory. For those of you who wouldn't call yourselves believers in Christ, did you know that there is this side to God, this side of Him getting glory over His enemies? God's enemies, they will learn that He is the Lord when He gets glory over them and when He fights for His silent people. Let's take a look at the third point. Our God will fight for us, His silent people. So we see also from the passage that the Lord fights for them. They do not need to fight. They have only to remain silent. God is the one who wins the fight. And the Israelites, they see the Egyptians coming after them and they, they know they're in trouble and they start to whine in verses 10 through 12. Moses, why, why have you taken us here? We are going to die. And to this whining, Moses is pretty direct with them. He sets the record straight and says, Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which He will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. And then, what happens? This promise that Moses gives comes true. Verses 24-25. through 25. And in the morning watch, the Lord and His pillar looked down on the Egyptian forces and threw them into a panic, clogging their wheels. And the Egyptians said, Let us flee from before Israel, for the Lord fights for Israel against the Egyptians. Verses 29-30. and 30, The people walked on dry ground. The waters, a wall to them on the right and left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day. The Lord is the one who does the saving. And not only does He get glory over His enemies, not only does He make Himself known to them, He saves His people. He fights for and saves His people. And their end of the deal is really easy. They have only to be silent. Now, what does that mean? You have only to be silent. I think in this passage, that means just keep walking, Israel. Keep walking through the sea. Israel, I will part the sea. I will clog their wheels. I will completely drown your enemies once you're safe on the other side. You just keep walking. Why does He fight for His people? And why does His people, why do they only have to be silent? Well, for one, the Lord loves His people and He wants to save them and rescue them. And two, the Lord is the one who gets the glory if He takes care of the bad guys. If all the Israelites have to do is keep walking. The Lord is the one who gets the glory. Now, Israel couldn't have taken the Egyptians anyway, but I think you get my point. God gets the glory for taking care of the bad guys. This is like parents who, we just have a, a newborn baby uh, in our church with an infant 
these parents, they show love and care and nurturing. They feed the infant, clean him, burp him, change him, soothe him, lay him down to sleep. They do everything. All the baby has to do is sleep, eat, poop. That's pretty much it. And the parents, they are the ones who love their child. They are the ones who get, their, get the glory for having raised that child. Without the parents, the baby would die. The Lord is the one who fights for us. We have only to be silent. What does, how do we apply this? Here's what this means. In salvation, the Lord is the one who fights and wins. In salvation, the Lord is the one who fights and wins. It's not you. It's not me. God is the one who works salvation. God is the one who saves. God is the one who does the rescuing. So, application. Think of how you're tempted to trust in yourself for salvation. And admit that you cannot work salvation for yourself. Only the Lord can work salvation. If you know, maybe this is true for you. Maybe in your head you know that Jesus has died for you. But deep down you hold on to something else for salvation. That is not good. That is not what the Bible says. For salvation, you cannot hold on to your diligent Bible reading. You cannot hold on to your fervent prayer life or how you handle finances well or how good your grades are or what other people think of you. Children, maybe... Children, can I have your attention? Maybe you think that the gift for Christmas that you really want, maybe you think that that will rescue you. It will give you life. That is not true. Only Jesus can save you. Not any toy. Only Jesus. And you know, I asked at the beginning of the the sermon, what does being silent mean? Being silent, I, I think part of it is trusting in God completely for salvation. Not in anything you do or in anything you have. That's what being silent means. So we have seen our God fights for us, His silent people. In closing... God's enemies, this is what we've talked about this morning, God's enemies will learn that He is the Lord when God gets glory over them and when He fights for His silent people. We know that in Jesus Christ, all three of these outline points are true. Our enemies will learn that God is the Lord. Yes, people who deny Jesus are enemies of the Lord and and they will learn that Jesus is Lord. Our God will get glory over His enemies for their rebellion and sin. Those who do not trust in the saving blood of Christ shed on the cross, they will be drowned in God's glory. God will get glory over them. And then thirdly, our God will fight for us, His silent people. God has already fought for us and God has already won. He was crucified and died and raised. He was raised in victory. So that we, His silent people, might be saved. Our end of the deal is 
unimaginably easy. We have only to be silent. But Christ, when He was silent, He did not get salvation. Isaiah 53, as a sheep before His shearers is silent. When Jesus stood before Caiaphas and whenever He stood before Pilate, He was silent. But He did not get salvation like we do when we are silent. He got death. But He got death in order that we might have life and be able to be silent. Let's pray. Father, we bow before You, the Holy Mighty One who gets glory over His enemies. And Father, we acknowledge that You are the One who works salvation. We do not work salvation. We do not save ourselves. We trust wholly in You, Lord, for what You have done in Christ. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.